0: The yeshiva.net.
1: Sheep have a quality of surrender, of subservience, more than any other animal. The kevis? Oh, 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 yeah, you mean shvuas? yeah. It was the only carbon shlomim of the tzibur. All carbonous tzibur? Yeah. Or a chatos But there's no such a thing that tzibur brings a shlomim. Oila or Chatas. It's different halachas. An Oila gets completely burnt on the Mizbeach Shlamim is different halachas. Different halachas. Key, the key issue then is if the if the sin is before the base or the base is before the sin, and that's a key issue because the sin, with the three lines, represents the three main emotions: love, love, uh, gvura, discipline, restraint, rejection, so to speak, and uh, it could be good rejection, but rejection it is, the ability to say no. <laughs> And, uh, and the third is Tiferous Empathy, which synthesizes the two. Bayes, Bayes, Yibana Bayes, which is two, represents the two main cognitive faculties of Chachma and bina. If you wish, I think Edison said that all invention is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Chachma is inspiration and Bina is uh, Perspiration It's the schwitzing, Developing it Chachma you cannot uh, anticipate You can't facilitate it You can only open yourself up to it You never know when it's going to come If you force yourself to have a spark of inspiration You could be sure it's not coming (laughs) You can't force yourself By definition Chachma comes from letting go Always letting go The more you let go the more things come in, the more you hold on like this. On the contrary, you become uptight. 99% huh? 99%. No, no. I was saying that I was just using a euphemism. That this is more inspiration, and this is more. Pr- you can't. You can't. Exp- you can't decide now. I'm going to be inspired. Now I'm going to have this, this new insight, this new idea. It has to pop in, and how it pops in, from where it pops in, is a fascinating sugya. Today, you know, one of the most exciting, uh, cutting-edge elements of research is neurological, to understand the human brain. Every day they discover things about the human brain that is absolutely uh, beyond astounding. And uh, the relationship between the, n- n- between the brain and, and the body and how a person functions and how ideas work and emotions work and so forth. One of the big sugi by the Balatanya, the relationship between Chachma and the unconscious source of Chachma, where it comes from. So base is Chachma and Bina. Shin represents emotions. There's emotions that come from Seichel, and there's emotions that go beyond Seichel. In Zoyar it's called Turei Nahoyer and Turei Chashucha. What an expression. Turei Nahoyer means mountains of light. Turei Chashucha means mountains of darkness. Why is it called mountains of darkness? Because they're invisible. We don't know them anything that we don't know about we call darkness it's not really dark it's just we have no access there. Showing, is, is emotions the emotions darkness. that are higher than Seichel. and therefore we don't have access to them in a in a organized cohesive way that's called turikh he says turikh shaykh he says hashin now this is an important idea because usually usually At this time especially, the way it was understood was there was no branch called psychology. There was something called philosophy. Psychology was a branch of philosophy. For thousands of years it was that way. Part of understanding philosophical truths was also understanding how people work. Today, philosophy is almost dead and psychology became the issue. Understanding human behavior, the human condition, human nature... Human composition, human relations, human needs, human drives, and so forth. Another side was that seichel is the highest, the highest force in a person. By the Greeks, LaMarshal, and La even the works of the Rambam, and so forth. At least superficially, seichel is the issue. Seichel is the key. What do we mean? Seichel is the key. Rationality is the highest motivating force in a person's life. So they understood. And therefore, as long as you can convince somebody that something makes sense, you're good to go. Automatically, they will emote. Today, of course, we know much better. We know better than that. It's usually the other way around. (laughs) What do I mean usually the other way around? What I mean is that we know that the drives of a person are usually far from rational. We are uh, driven by very, very deep emotions that cannot always be associated with rationality. Sometimes, yes but very, very often not. So there's one level of midas that come from Seichel, and that's extremely important, that you are responsible for your emotions because the way you look at things and the way you understand things is the way you will feel about them. As we spoke the other day, that everything has a label. The label is given by Chachma and Bina. Based on the label, I emote in a certain way. So what you say to me triggers an emotion especially if it's somebody close to you in your life. But that emotion is not spontaneous. That emotion came because you're attaching a certain meaning to their words. You're attaching certain significance to their words. That can always be challenged. That can always be dealt with. What are you seeing in their words? What is the meaning you're attaching to their words? How are you understanding what they're saying? You're labeling it, either as an attack, right, or as a potential attack either as criticism or as potential criticism, just one example out of many. And therefore, we emote to it in a particular way. Yosef HaTzadik reframed his whole life by telling his brothers one thing, and that is, you did not sell me. L'michya shlachani Alakim l'fneicha. God sent me to save the world from famine and devastation. He didn't deny any events. He wasn't naive. He felt all the pain. He did what we would call reframing. Reframing is a very important idea. You can have a picture hanging in your dining room, and it doesn't look good, because the frame is not the right frame. You put a new frame, you reframe it, and suddenly the frame brings out the picture, brings out the piece of art, and now it fits in beautifully. Psychologically also, reframing means the story is the same, the picture is the same but the frame around it is different. Meaning, I see it in a different context. I put it in a new frame. The same reality, but how I analyze it, how I dissect it. This is why all Midas are usually born from Seichel. Seichel is the mother or the father, both the father and the mother. Midas are the children. There's no children without parents. The base comes before the sin. Keves. base is Chachma and Bina, and then you have the sin, which are the Midas that come from it. And this is a very powerful idea. Emotions are not spontaneous. Emotions are not only genetic. Emotions are not only based on environmental environment conditions. Yes, they all contribute tremendously. But primarily, emotions you are responsible for. You know why? Because you have a choice. You know why? Because the way you think about things is the way you will feel about things. It's not easy to discern this, because when I get emotional, I usually don't feel the process, because the labeling happens instinctively, and the labeling may have happened 39 years ago. <laughs> and I'm just busy responding for 39 years to the same reality. So I may not feel that there is such a power, but there is. That's the concept of the sin after the base. But there's something else. And that is the middus <laughs> al Emotions really are rooted in a place that's deeper than intellect. Emotions themselves are rooted in a place that's deeper than intellect, which is why they're more powerful than intellect. They get us excited, they overwhelm us, they stress us out, or they transport us into another world, a positive world or not a positive world. But Middas are very, very powerful. So although they need Seichel for labeling, the Seichel doesn't create them, yesh the Seichel simply will utilize their energy and direct it and harness it in a particular direction. But the energy of midas themselves come from a place that is lamayla meha Seichel. And therefore it's deeper than Seichel. It needs Seichel for labeling purposes. But it's not that its entire identity emerges. Just like a child. Parents bring the child into the world, but they don't create the child's soul. They contribute their genes and so forth. But the child's neshama, as the Gemara says, is ruach right? yesh The Gemara goes through what the father gives, what the mother gives, what Hashem gives. But the point is, they don't... You're not a product of your father and mother. Certain elements of you come from your father and mother. But there's a part of you that is absolutely you. It's your own soul that was given to you, independent of the father and the mother's are the conduit through which the soul comes through. Like the seichel is the conduit through which Midas emerge. But the power of Midas themselves comes from a place that is deeper than seichel. And, ah? Uh, A marshal for what? I'll explain to you. I'm explaining, I'm saying now one thing, which doesn't, I don't, the thing I'm saying is that the power of Midas is deeper. It's more intense, let's call it. It, it, It's more ferocious than, than, than intellect, which could be cold, because ultimately its energy is rooted in a place that's higher than cognitive analysis. This is called keser. That's why the the word begins with a chaf, which is Rosh Hashanah's keser, the crown on top of the head, and then you get to the vase, and then you get to the sin, because keser represents the source of the emotions, which are higher than seichel. But over there, it's just pure unenergy; it's not identified. So you need the seichel to give a maramukim. You need the seichel. For example, if somebody tells me that in my basement, under the earth, there's a oitzer, there's a treasure of gold, right? So uh, I go and I dig, I see the gold, I get very, very excited. It's not that they are the ones who created my excitement to the gold. A person gets excited, there's money, they get excited about it, right? Mm -hmm. I needed them to point out where the gold is. But the actual excitement of it, the actual passion, that is inherent in the human being. I needed them to give a maramakam, to label, say that's the place you should get excited about. So I get excited about that. So that's what Seichel does for the Middas. Seichel says, that you should get excited about because this is dangerous, or this is good for you, this is positive, this is negative, this is threatening, this undermines you, this builds you, and so on and so forth.
0: So the energy in Keser is entirely undifferentiated? Right.
1: Completely undifferentiated. And you can't control view, you can't con- either? Well, well, that's where Seichel comes in. Seichel creates differentiation. It gives references, it gives labels, it gives definitions, it gives descriptions, and then the channeling, and then it channels the energy of Keser in a particular direction. But the energy itself is pristine. It's pure. It's not differentiated and it's very, very intense. It's very, very powerful. Okay, that's higher than Seichel. That's the Chav that's higher than Seichel. Yeah?
0: In the classic uh Kesev, why there is the sin before?
1: Good question. We're going to see in a moment. Okay. Now let's see further. She says, Ahak Savim Hifrid Yaakov. Yaakov is the one. When we say Yaakov, it's not only the person Yaakov, he means the concept that Yaakov represents. Yaakov represents a concept. All characters in Torah embody traits, characteristics that live on in history. The concept of what Yaakov represents, he takes the ksavim. He accesses them from the way they are in their source, where it's Kesev, to a world of fragmentation where it's called kvasim keves. Why? Why would he do this? Because what Yaakov wants to accomplish is he wants to create unity and alignment even in a world of fragmentation. As the Passock says, the first keves, one keves you offer in the morning And here the word is keves And the second one has the Karmit in the evening V'ha'inyan Baikir Boiker is boiker avraham. Morning is the domain of Avraham Vayashkim <speaking> Avraham <in Hebrew> Baikir. Why is it the domain of Avraham? P'chin <speaking> is chesed <Hebrew> el Morning is a time of the higher chesed expressing itself Sh'mispashit o'yan sa'yif baruchu l'mayla aden ketz U'lamata aden tachlis Chesed represents the absolute expansion of the divine energy infinitely upwards and infinitely downwards. In other words, on every single level. As the energy extends lower and lower, level after level, in the evolution of steps, in the evolution of levels. Madrega means literally a step, a dargat. In the way of Ishtalshalos and Islapshos, Ishtalshalos means, from the word Shalshalos, which means like a chain, it evolves from one rung to another rung. Islapshos means, like a lavush, you enclothe yourself at something. The divine energy descends, but it doesn't only descend, it also enclothes itself in different forms and different realities, to the point that it could become completely eclipsed, as we discussed, that sometimes you have, an inherent emotion, a pristine emotion, and it evolves and it morphs into new responses that completely eclipse your original emotion to the point that it takes a lot of work to be able to trace back your present emotion to your original emotion, and you'll see they're not the same, even though they're really the same. It's the same energy. So that's called hishtalshalus Is it descending? The means it gets enclosed. Yeshi clip So in this process, you have the whole realm of clipa of non holiness which can nurture energy from holiness, which the Tanakh would call Kader, tents of darkness, Shamar Avram, Lu Avram says, let Yishmal live before you. In Avram's world, Yishmol also is part of the plan, part of the scheme. So that's why the first thing they did in the morning was they have to bring in the sheep. The Keves represents ultimate nullification in in the style of in, with, with its quality of empathy. The Keves represents that even in the world of Pirut you bring in the Achdo's so that the energy should only nurture that which is mevatel itself, that which nullifies itself and allows to be revealed in it, someone who is bottled to it, somebody who has a relationship with it, that the energy should not be misused or distorted, or harnessed and directed, and manipulated really, manipulated in a way that is undesirable. So that's why whenever there's extra chesed, There's always the danger that the wrong people are going to get it. The motion of chesed is very beautiful. It's giving and giving and giving and giving. But there's absolutely no limitation. And when there's no limitation, what happens is parasites. Parasites come in. And they just want to use you. And they will use you even in ways that will ultimately undermine you because it's completely narcissistic, it's completely selfish. And that's the the key difference between Kedusha and not Kedusha. Kedusha has a relationship with God, but it wants a relationship with the truth of Hashem. Klippa also needs God because there's no energy without Hashem, but it wants to just use it. Use it for its own purposes. Whenever there's a tremendous explosion of Chesed, which is Avram Avinu, Yishmal is also part of it. Av- Avram will not discriminate. Sorrow says Yishmal is going to leave. Avram says no. This place for Yitzchak and this place for Yishmal. So, what does Rachmanus have to do with this if comes in that's the combination. that's the midah of Yaakov sure. the power of Rachmanus is that it's a the power of Rachman is that it travels from the highest places to the lowest places because the Rachmanus can extend from the highest places to the lowest places so therefore Yaakov Avinu can access the Kesev even into the Kevas hifrid Yaakov, because he wants that even in the world of Pirud, not in the world of the Kesev and its shirish but the world of Kevas, the way it comes out here, even there there should be the complete unity, the complete bitl. That's the Midas Arachmanus. Then you have a Keshev Hashenitasa Ben Arba'im Zman Shlitas Midosher Shal Yitzchak Pchinis Gvuris Lam Then you have the time of Yitzchak is benar bayim. Mincha, the second sheep. Yitzchok is the concept of Gvura and this has to be sweetened. Chesed has to be limited, and Gvura has to be not limited, it's already limited. Gvura has to be sweetened. So each one has its trap. The trap of chesed is, it's so all-inclusive, it's so infinite, it's so powerful, it makes no borders, it makes no limitations, and therefore it could sometimes feed those that it should not feed, because everybody will get from it, because chesed sees no flaws, chesed sees no evil, and chesed extends itself without any limitations, aden ketz, or aden And that's the mid of Avram that's the of Avram. So Yaakov introduces a kavas there. Yitzchak is the opposite. Yitzchak is gvura. Gvura is absolute restraint, very, very intense. Very, very introspective. And very, very disciplined. Yitzchak was disciplined in the extreme. Not only towards others, towards himself too. It starts with yourself, it doesn't start with others. That's gvura, might. Very deep might. Gvura always needs hamtaka. It needs to be sweetened. It needs to be, the wine has to be diluted with water. Because it's very, very... Uh, it's a very loaded taste. So he says, <speaking in Hebrew> To bring in the bitl, both to Chesed and to Gvura, which are the two sheep in the morning and the afternoon. Nasa, de Yaakov. Yaakov is the middle B'riach. It says by the Mishkan that there were B'riachim. The B'riachim were bars that connected the beams of the Mishkan. So there were bar- most of the brichim, you had a brich on top, you had a brich on the bottom, most of the brichim, they met halfway. One brich went halfway this way, and one brich went halfway this way, and that's how they held up the the, the bars of the Mishkan. There was a brich hatichin, ha min ha The middle bar that goes from one edge to the other edge, and according to the Zohar, it actually circled all the four walls of the Mishkan. The brich hatichin, or the three walls, the b'riach HaTichim was mavriach Min El HaKatsim. So that's the P'china of Yaakov. It goes from one edge to the other edge. Why? Because Yaakov is the Midas HaRachamin. And Midas HaRachamin extends from the highest space to the lowest space. It always applies itself equally. So therefore, because it's Yaakov, L'kach Hifrid Yaakov HaKvasin M'P'chinas Ksavim Shahayu B'mekarim V'sharshan Yaakov is Mafrid, the Ksavim, the way they are in the source, which we explained. The way the Bahamas and the Ksavim are in their source, they're completely one, they're divine energy basically, and they're completely one with God. And over there it's called Nat Keves, over there it's called Kesev. Over there the sin comes. Before the bays and this complete achdos, one well, you have it in olem hapiru. The shin, the sin comes after the bays, and then it gets branched out into the emotions. When you have the sin before the bays over there, it's absolutely complete achdos, this complete unity. Yaakov brings the kesef into the keves. You have a boiker and you have a ben harbaim. Which is basically Avram and Yitzchak. Ach be Shvuas, then comes Shvuas. What happens on Shvuas? The hey nefakoyin oisam alechem habikurim. The koyin lifts up the two sheep together with the bread of the bikurim al shnei It says he puts the bread on the two sheep, meaning shemay nefasakvasim l'maila l'sharshin u'makodin b'chinas ksavim on Shvuas. He lifts up the sheep. It's not just the physical uplifting of the sheep. Spiritually, he lifts up the sheep that they should go back to their original source, ksavim, not kvasim, but ksavim, to become completely unified and nullified and one and submerged in the infinite energy mamash. In order to do this, it has to have the two loaves of bread. There's the two lechem on Shavuos, made of flour of wheat, which became chametz. They made them into two chalas of chametz, and they placed them on the two sheep, and the kohen lifts up the two sheep with the lechem. What is that uplifting of sheep? It's not Stam, a strange ritual, you take two sheep and you lift it up, which is also a hard job, with the lechem on top of it. But it's actually a cosmic process of undoing, of of, uh, Yaakov went one way and we're going the other way. HaKsavim Hifrid Yaakov, Yaakov made from Ksavim to Kvasim, and we're turning Kvasim into Ksavim. We're taking the kevas that Yaakov brought out from Kesev, and we're bringing it back to That's why in Parshas Emor, the beginning of the Parshas HaKarbonus, which includes the story of Shvuas, the sheep is introduced as the Kesev, not as the kevas. In the beginning of that parsha, which ultimately culminates in the Tnufa of Shvu's. So, Shvu's, you take the Kvasim and your Hainafaisim, you realign them with their source from the world of Pirud to the world of Ahtos, from the world of fragmentation to the world of unity. Now, what does this mean? Part of what it means is this is the difference between the Midas the way they come out of Seichel, and the is the way they're higher from Seichel. The Midas, the way they come after Seichel, are always fragmented. The mid is the way they come, the way they're in their source, higher than Seichel, are always unified. They're always Ba'achtos. What do we mean? We mean as follows. The further you get from your essence, the more details. The closer you get to your essence, the more unification. If I ask you, what do you have to do today? Probably if you're a Jew, you have around 47 things on your to-do list, If you're a good Jew, maybe you have 95 things on your to-do list. How many things will you get done? If you're lucky, two. Maybe three and a half. But the main thing is everybody has 97 things to do, which usually takes four years. Right? Now, so how many things I have to do? I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And it's true, you have to do all these things. But now if we go a step deeper, okay, and we discuss it, not from an external point of view, from an internal point of view. Let's find out, why do you have to do all these things? What's the drive behind all of these things? What's the drive? And maybe you'll find that there's really one mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. behind all of it. So suddenly, right, 97, There was they say there was a guy who, uh, who came to a big psychiatrist, a therapist, he needed help. He was in a lot of chayvis. So he says, what's the issue? He says... He says, I have a mortgage and I have tuition and uh, my wife is not feeling well and this one needs therapy and I need this and I need treatment for this and I need to buy a house and I need to buy a couch and I need to buy food and I need for shoppers I need for yom to have to send the kids to camp and they need new shoes and I need whatever. It's just overwhelming how many things I need. So the guy says, basically you need a half a million dollars. Does he? The session is over, and he wants his check. He says, why did I come to you? What did you give me? He says, you came in here telling me you need this, you need this. You need... I made it all one thing. You just need a half a million dollars. You don't need anything else. <laughs> from, all the, from, the he made, from the period he made, now it's easier to deal with. I have one issue. I need a half a million dollars. I don't need anything else. <laughs> okay. So That's anecdotally. But on a more sincere level, the more you go inside the diversity will become much smaller and smaller. And now, let's take this more in in a vulnerable way. If you take a person back to the core, to the skeleton, to the skeleton of your emotions, how many needs do you really think you have? How many needs do you really, really think you have? The most vulnerable, raw space of a person. Imagine you could remove all of... Imagine this was a place that you could remove all your defenses. (laughs) And you could think out loud... Completely think out loud and be self-aware completely. That itself is sometimes the hardest thing. I could be in a safe place, but I'm not self-aware. So it doesn't help that I'm in a safe place. But let's say you're in a safe place, so you don't feel being judged, and you could be self-aware. How many needs do you think will come out of a person? Ultimately, how many needs? On our to-do list, we have hundreds of things. But at the core, one, maybe two. Usually not even two, it's one. Yeah, And I'm talking about a person, an ordinary person. The deeper, deeper, deeper they go, they'll see that the thousands of needs are really, could be traced back to some very basic, basic principles and simple principles. You really may just need a little love. Nobody ever gave it to you. You may need somebody to really tell you that you're all right, that you're good, you're not evil. Really, it's what all it boils down to. That's what you've been looking for. Maybe you just need a little validation. Maybe you just have to say that your your nature is not bad, you're not, a, you're not, you're not ugly, you're not, you're not horrible, you're not grotesque. You don't have to live with all this pressure. And then you learn that this Nekudna manifested itself in thousands of ways, but it wasn't thousands of ways, it was one Nekudna. It was one Nekudna. So the higher the Middas go to their source, the more they narrow, the more narrow they become. In other words, they become, from fragmentation, they become unified. Why do they become unified? Because you recognize the core. Whenever you recognize the core, right, it's like a Lego. You know, you buy the Lego. It's many, many pieces, or a puzzle. You start putting the pieces together, and it's really one, One. it's really one. So we have fragments of pieces. But if you go back to the source, so then you just see that it's all fragments of really one, one nekuda, one puzzle. So the deeper the midas go into the core, you go from the world of Pira to the world of achdos, from the world of fragmentation to the world of unity. The world of unity is always a world that's closer to the core, because in the core everything is one. But the more distance we are from our own source, the more we see everything as separate. That's why fragmentation is only possible when somebody is not connected with their own core. When you're connected with your own core, there's no room for fragmentation because the core is one. The core is unified. And therefore it introduces unity into everything. There's a beautiful Mishnah. A beautiful Mishnah, Masechta Arla. The Mishnah says, it's so late, I'll just finish with this. The Mishnah says in Arla as follows. There's a din, you all know the din of bittel, A din of bittel when it comes to non-kosher substances. By Arla... By Arla, the bitl has to be Masayim, 200 to 1, meaning if I have an apple tree, the first three years, the apples are not kosher, I can't eat them or benefit from them, and this apple falls in to other apples, and I can't recognize which one it is, so if it's 200 kosher apples, it nullifies the Arla apple, and I can eat all the apples. I take out a nap, but I can eat all of them. I can, eat, I can eat all of them besides, I just take out one. But if it's 199 apples and this apple falls into it, then what? There's no bitle. They all become, I could throw them into the garbage or burn them. So the Mishnah says as follows. What if I have a field, okay, and I have a bunch of little trees. I have, two, I have 201 trees. It happens to be that one tree was planted a little later. One sapling was planted a little later, so it's still Arla, okay? And then I lose track which tree it is. So now I come to my field, and I have two hundred and one trees. One of them has arla fruits, but I don't know which one it is. The other ones already passed three years. This one didn't, but I don't know which one it is. So what's the halacha? The halacha is the Mishnah says a masecht There's nothing you can do. All 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 your trees are treif. You can't take any fruits because you don't know which one you don't know which one is arla, and therefore you cannot harvest any of the fruits. Ask the Mishnah: What if you do harvest? What if you don't listen? You're not a good boy. You don't ask the question. Right? You don't do what you have to do. You harvest everything. And now you have piles of apples or oranges everywhere. Then the Mishra says you can eat it. <laughs> you can eat it. You know why? Because you were a bad boy. You can eat it. Because now it's all bottle. Because you have hundreds of fruits. Right? It's 200 trees to one. So the pile of fruits, the Arla tree got bottle in other fruits because it's 200 to one. It's one to 200. So it's all bottle. So maybe you can eat it. But the yevit. it? You shouldn't do it. So all the mafarshim ask a simple question, I don't understand. It's already bottle when it's on the trees. Why, after your harvest, does it become bottle? Because there's a pile in the field and you don't know which one it is. Already on the trees you should say it's bottle. There's 201 trees, it's 1 in 200, it's already butled. What's the answer? The answer is, when you're connected to your source, you can't get nullified. When you're connected to your source, you can't get nullified. Once I take you out of your source... I take you out of your tree and now you're you're one in 200, you're going to assimilate. You will disintegrate. We understand it sociologically so well. That's the power of assimilation. You take a refugee, you put him in a melting pot and he's one to 200, what do you do? You live like other people, you copy other people, you behave like other people, you mimic other people, because you want to fit in. Who doesn't want to fit in? It's almost a natural effect. You lose your identity. You forfeit your identity in the overwhelming, in the overwhelming majority. This is what happened in America, let's say, to most Jews, the sheer embrace of secular culture overwhelmed sophisticated people who desperately wanted to fit in and for good reason. You want to be part of society. You can't always be an outsider. It's almost impossible to survive this way. Halachically, that's the concept of bitl. The concept of bitl is a drop of milk that falls into your Chalant. The milk has no identity anymore. The Chalant overwhelms it in terms of flavor and in terms of identity. But that's only when you're disconnected to your source. When you're connected in your source, I don't care if there's five million trees to one tree. I'm not butled. How could you not be butled in the presence of five million trees? The answer is, because I'm a to my shayrish. When you're a to your shayrish, there's no bitl. What do I mean by bitl? No bitl, not in the sense of bitl here. No bitl in the sense of being nullified, of losing yourself because you know who you are. And your knowledge of who you are is deeply etched into your psyche because you are completely connected. So the more I move away from myself, the more I move away from myself, the more I allow myself to forfeit my identity. When you're very connected to your shayrish, it's not arrogance. It's the knowledge of identity. So that's the process of the kesev to the kevis. The kevis is the world of pirud. The kesev is always a world of achtos. Always a world of achdos. How
0: come
1: out. Avram and Yitzchak are not niferet? How could they be different? Avram and Yitzchak were not niferet. Metzad the midah of Avram, there could be a yinikah to Yishmael. Metzad the midah of Yitzchak, there could be a yinikah to Esav.
0: The
1: Gemara says Avram Yatsim Emenu Yitzchak Yatzimimeno, Esav Yaakov, mitos and Shlema. Avram and Yitzchak with the markah. Mitzat Chesed and Gvura themselves without Tiferis. It could be, Yishmal could get his nurture. Esav could get their nurture. In other words, the result could be that undesirable forces can receive nurture from the Chesed and the Gvura. Either from the Chesed, which is overextending yourself, or the Gvura, which is the lack of it. When are of Rachman, mitosay Shlema Why mitosay shleima? Because we of Rachman. You could find in everything, it's uh, it's divine core and sublimated. And it's
0: parallel to Ferris, right? It's blending the yes, yeah, that's, blend. right,
1: that's where the blend mix, that's empathy is. Yeah, that's what resist. empathy is. Yeah. On Shavuos, they lifted up the two sheep, special sheep, the mitzibor, together with the two breads, the two loaves of bread known as that were baked from flour of wheat and actually made into chametz, as we learned, and you lifted them up. So the two sheep being lifted up was elevating the kevas to the level, the kevas to kesev, the kevas, which is the vase preceding the sin to the kesev which is the sin preceding the preceding the the base. Essentially, in the source, there's absolute unity, there's complete achdus, there's complete harmony. The more one leaves the source, the more separation, the more fragmentation, the more multiplicity, the less lack of harmony and oneness. Yaakov Avinu is the one who creates the separation, not to create separation, what it means he creates the separation is haksavim hifrid Yaakov he wants to introduce harmony within multiplicity unity within fragmentation, synchronization and complete achdus, complete oneness and unification in a place where there could be fragmentation As with all the vulnerabilities of both morning and evening from too much chesed and too much gvura to introduce the unity in both of those places. So Yaakov Avino, whose image above and image below matched each other, is the one who ultimately wants to align kesev with keves, the vase before the sin with the base after the sin. The base before the sin represents the emotions that are born from the intellect. We're in the source, it's the other way around, it's the sin before the base, which represents the midais, the way they are even higher than chachma and higher than, uh, than seichel, and where they are all unified, Within the soul, so now on Shvuas there is the Veheineth, there is the Hanafka, that the Koyan lifts up the two sheep, representing the fact that he lifts up the sheep below to the sheep below to the sheep above, aligning the situation below with the situation above, so that there should not be dissonance between the reality the way it is in its deeper state and the reality the way it is the way it evolves in its more superficial state. So basically that means that the person should be able to align their outer state with their inner state, the place where they are presently, right now below, to who they really are internally and essentially, to be able to sublimate, to be able to wave, to lift up the kevis, to the kesev, to be able to trace yourself back to who you are in your origin, to who you are in your essence, to who you are in your core, to who you are in your shayrish, to be able to take all the branches and bring them back to their own root, bring them back to their own to their own shayrish. And that's really the process of uh, unifying the lower with the higher, the outer with the inner, the superficial with the deeper, and the external, the chitzonius with the primius, or the way he puts it, that which came down lamata with that which is lamaila to be able to align the two. So in, in, in practical words, it means that when you look at yourself, you should only, you should not only be able to see who you are, but you should also be able to see who you were meant to be, who you're called on to be, who you can be, what your potential is, or what you really are. In other words, who you really are. Not who you think you are, or who you became, but who you really are. To be able to align your outer self, or yourself in reality, with your with your true inner self, with yourself in its most pristine, pristine place. You know, once in a while, it's good to do an exercise and ask yourself a question. If your life would have been uh, free from a lot of the things that hold you down, a lot of the thoughts or experiences or grievances that hold you down, how would you operate? If you did not have uh, X, Y, Z, if you did not have this fear, that fear... This grudge, that grudge, this grievance, that grievance, this streak or that streak, this habit or that habit, this addiction or that addiction. How would you operate? How would you function? A person, that's, that's what Hanafa means. V'heynif means you have to be able to lift yourself up and see who you are, not only from the outer, but also from the inner. Not only see yourself from the outer perspective, from the inner perspective. You know, one of the great challenges a person has, sometimes people see themselves only the way other people see them. The only way they know themselves is they're really always asking other people who they are. Right? They say somebody once went on vacation to the Bahamas, so he sends a postcard to his therapist and he says, you know, I'm here in the Bahamas, I'm having a great time, I wish you were here to tell me why. So sometimes a person is always really looking for other people to tell me, you know, who am I and how, I, how am I doing? I basically need you to tell me who I am. So it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad reality that a person's, a person's sense of self is being based on somebody else's view. But sometimes our own view is also similar to somebody else's view. We know ourselves from a very superficial space. We don't know ourselves from a rich place, from an expansive place. So that's what Hanafa means. V'heinef means the ability to lift up the way something is in reality to its ultimate source, where it came from. To be able to see it from its ultimate potential. To trace it back to the original dream. To the original possibilities. To the original promises. Now, the two sheep are not uplifted alone. They come with two breads. Bez HaLechem, And they both have to be together. So he continues. He says, "Ki hine inyan tnuva shtey halachemu." See the line starts, "Hine inyan tnuva shtey What's the concept of lifting up the two breads? Ki hine beis halachem reims is the and the shabalpa. The two breads represented the two streams of Torah. Torah shabeksav, the written Torah, and the shabalpa, which is the whole oral tradition. Kama shakasev, the pasuk says in Mishlei, "L'chu lachmu balachmi." Rabbi Nehosh says, eat your bread with my bread, which is basically a metaphor in Mishlei for his wisdom, for his Torah. l'achmu b'lachmi, he refers to Torah as bread. What's the relationship between Torah and bread? So the Tanya explains that bread is the staple food, like the Pesach says, "Valechem levav or as Chazal tells us that lechem, Rashi brings it, all tzarchei hasud are included in lechem bread, this was like the staple food you know, we see it in even halacha the kviyasudah is on bread, you know you break bread, the brach of hamoitzi that was given to bread the uniqueness of of, of of lechem which represents all food is, that it becomes part of the person mitzvahs are often called levush garments Torah is called l'chul lachmo b'lachme. a garment surrounds you, it protects you, it surrounds you Lechem does not around you, it becomes part of you. We are what we eat, and the food that we uh, digest, the food that we eat, and the digestive process is a very elaborate one and a very powerful one. But what it basically does is it takes apart the food, as we learned earlier, the void of Birurim, it takes apart the food, and whatever could become part of our bloodstream becomes part of our bloodstream. And it becomes, therefore, part of our personality, part of our character, part of our are are very nutrients in Gashmias, and as a result of that also in Ruchmias. And then there's part that the body has nothing to do with and the body evacuates and waste. it becomes waste. Taida, when a person learns taira, it becomes dam u Basa Kipsara. It becomes part of them. Because real taira that you understand, so it it, it 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 becomes part of who the person is, how I think, how I feel. So therefore Hashem calls it my bread, Lchul Lachmu belachmi. Gastronomical; it becomes part of a person's internal system. Lechem more than other foods become part of us, or? No, I think it's just that it's 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 the staple food. Exactly. Lechem is the is the was considered the staple food. Now, l'chayde tedershebal peh. Is an explanation of Torah Shabbaksav. That's what it does. But there's lofty elements in Torah Shabbaksav that don't exist in Torah Shabbalpa. and you see it clearly in the trop. Taimim here means the taimi hamikra, the cantillations. Da 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 Taimim <todic> shabatayra. <singing> Zarka, makav, shayfer, hulech, skulta. These are the the original words for the for the for the taimi hamikra. We call Pashta, Munach, Zarka, Segel, Munach, Munach, Revi, Map. You remember your mitzvah lessons. She'em b'chines They really a are nigin. B'chines mesikus v'taynug. Which represents sweetness and represents tainug, The mesikus of Torah and the tainog of Torah. That's what the top represents. Every word that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Jewish people comes with a nigan, And the nigan represents the tainug of it and the mesikus of it al and amran this the possix says in allaham alayh from pairik hay bay hi shiri khamis wa alf aswang was khamis wa alf 5 and a thousand or the possix says until him ba lila shiri imi imi toven amal says until him pairik membaz and by night his song is with me what's the point sha taimim him binish shir venige wen nagin bashid va zimna me the Taimim of Torah represents the Shir of Torah, the Song of Torah, the Nigan of Torah, which comes with music from tremendous joy and pleasure. These Taimim and Mikra don't exist in Teresh of Al-Pah. does not give us any explanation on the Song of Chumash, or the Song of Tamach. Tehre explains the words, explains letters, explains the structure, explains the laws, explains many of the stories, but doesn't explain the Song. Tehre Shebaal Peh explains to us the Yisoid of the Mitzvahs and the Sherish of the Mitzvahs. Sheh Pidu Shebaal Peh Davke V'Eloi to understand the mitzvahs, you need only tereshabalpa. You need dafka tereshabalpa. Ki ain't shum mitzvah shleiti So you have here a give-and-take situation. There's elements in tereshabekzav that don't make it into tereshabalpa. The whole musical component of tereshabekzav, tereshabalpa does not translate. On the other hand, all the mitzvahs of tereshabekzav without tereshabalpa, there's no way you can wrap your brain around what to do, how to do, and all of the details and nuances of the mitzvah. There's not one mitzvah that doesn't need a commentary. How you do the mitzvah, and in what manner you do the mitzvah. It says, What does that mean? I should sit in a sukkah for seven days. What does the sukkah look like? Where is the sukkah? What do I put in the sukkah? What do I build the sukkah? What's the walls of the sukkah? What's the covering of the sukkah? Do I take a plastic and I cover it? Do I build a, a house of glass and I go into it? What, what all... What, I need Tareh Shabbat I don't know anything. L'kachtim l'chem b'ayem erishem hader. On sukkahs you should bring a beautiful fruit and shake it. Okay? So I can bring a watermelon. Or cherry. Cherries are very nice fruits. Cherries are nice. Mangoes. Some people think mangoes are nice. Or oranges are also nice. So bring that. Right? So I have to have Tareh Shabbat I hold sugi and sukkah to prove me that it's an asterisk. So go to the doorpost, take a pen, and start writing things on the doorpost. It says you should write it on the doorpost. So there's not, not a single mitzvah that Teir al Pah does not clarify what it is. Teir Sheba without meaning the Chumash, the Tanakh, without Teir Sheba Pah, remains a closed book in terms of practice, in terms of observance. It says, don't do work on Shabbos. What does that mean? Schlepping a couch on Shabbos? Or opening a light on Shabbos? Slepping a couch is harder than opening a light. Schlepping a couch, I could. Open a light, I can't. V'chuli, v'chuli. It's clear. So there's no Tereshe B'Ksav understood in terms of mitzvahs without Tereshe on the So Tereshe B'alpah really brings out Tereshe B'Ksav. But there's an element of Tereshe B'Ksav that Tereshe B'Ksav doesn't, doesn't capture. And that's the song the music, the mesikos, the tainuk, the of where is it expressed? In the trap. You hear the trap, there's a song to Torah. That song is not just a tune. It represents a certain state of consciousness. There's information in that song. There's information that's being conveyed, but it's not translated into words. It's not translated into verbal concepts that Torah Shabbat articulates in Svaris and mahalchim. So there's two components. So Shavuus, you lift up both Lechems. The Lechem of Teresh B'Ksav, the Lechem of Teresh B'Alpeh, to their own source. To become reunited with this source, which is the Divine Infinite Energy. Over there, both Teresh are one. He iyu chad, It's an expression in Zoyar. He and his energy is one. He and his chayus, chayui, He and his energy is one. Or as the Rambam puts it in Hilchus, you say that the Rambam in Mishnah Torah a few times says, "Who V'hu He is the knower. He is the knowledge, and he is that which is known. So all the chachma, all the lechem is completely one in the source. Torah Shabbak and Torah Shabbat are one. The way they're articulated the way they come out there's two strand there's two streams of judaism there's a stream of Sav, there's a stream of teshuvah but each one with its flavor and each one with its own uh, unique contribution nonetheless on shavuos you lift up the shehalachim which represents tracing teshuvah back to its own source of divine divine energy The difference between a niggin and words is very deep. You'll see that people get bored of words. They don't get bored of a niggin. What do I mean? I was at a program, a yom tif, with Marduch ibn David. So I spoke, and he sang. (laughs) I guess the way it's supposed to be. So uh, at his concert... At his concert, he was doing all of his songs. So people said, "The oldies, we want the oldies, the oldies." You know, the older "Eishma Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu." So he started to do his oldies, "Vechol Maaminim" and "Hashem You know, whatever all the old, all of his old songs, and people were ecstatic. So he takes the mic afterwards, and he says, "I'm perplexed about something which seems unjust." If Rabbi Jacobson says a drush and he repeats a word that he said last year, everybody says, we heard it already. We heard it already. Oh, it always has to be new. By me, I'm trying to do new songs. They say, no, we want the oldies, the oldies, the oldies. Why was it when a singer repeats a song that he sang a million times, everyone is excited. If he does a new song, we don't care for your new songs. We want the old ones. And by your speech, it's the other way around. You say one thing that's old. No, no, you heard it already. We want new. Not a bad question. I was once on a cruise, so my son, Avram Fried was there, and so my son said, it's completely not fair. You always need new material. And he gets up and he sings ten songs that everybody knows, and then uh, and it's acceptable. <laughs> this is my son's observation quite a few years ago. The truth is, Mordechai didn't answer the question. He just, because uh, his Indian was to sing, not to answer questions. <laughs> I'll try to answer the question. <laughs> Music and words reach different places in a person's song. They say for Reb Nachman of Breslov that uh, somebody is giving a speech. In the middle of the speech, somebody starts talking. If I'm talking and somebody starts talking. So what do we call it? We call it an interruption. You're interrupting me. What if I'm singing a song in the middle of my singing? You start singing. We call it harmony, right? So it's not interruption; it's harmony. So the objective of life is to stop speaking and start singing, because people who speak, the world is always interrupting them. Your wife is interrupting you. Your children are interrupting you. Everybody's interrupting you. If you learn how to sing, then people are harmonizing with you. They're not interrupting you. I would just add that there's some people that even when they sing they're talking. And some people that even when they talk they're singing. Nigina and Dibur speak to different parts. The Balatanya has an expression that words are a pen of the mind. Words are the pen of the mind. Kulmus Haseikl. The mind has a pen. It's the quill of the mind. Nigin is kulmus hanefesh. Nigin is the pen of the soul. It's the quill of the soul. The soul also has a pen. You say this person has a blessed pen. What does it mean you have a good pen? You take a pen, you know how to express your ideas. Nigin is the pen, it's the quill for the, of the soul. Oysius Dibur is also the quill. It's the quill of the mind. The quill of the mind. There's a Mishnah Masech Shabas Shabbos, in I think Perek Kol Balei Hasher, Yoitzin basher, Shachin basher. Sher means a collar. All the animals that go out with a collar, you know, like a dog, so you're allowed to take out the collar. Yoitzin basher, you're allowed to take it out to the street on Shabbos. Shachin basher, and you could draw them in the collar, because it's the derech. It's, it's like you're going out with your jacket, you go out with your shoes, it's not called carrying, that's the way they go out. So Malatanya said, Sher means a collar, but it also means, shir, a song, Shin Yodresh. So he says, Kol bale hashir. All those who are masters of music, neshamas, malachim, yoytzen and v'nemshachem bashir, the way they go out of themselves to a higher place, and the way they're nemshachem, from the word mashicha they're drawn to a different lo- um, spiritual location, is through music, is through neginah. It's the, it's, the, it's the quill of the soul. So neginah, you see, reaches a very deep place in a person. You can hear, especially teenagers, can hear the same song a hundred times. Not only don't you get bored, every time you get more excited. How many times can you hear the same word, the same idea? You can how many times can you hear a joke? You hear it once, twice. Ton, you heard the Vart, you heard again, again, again. Leave me alone. Somebody once told me, he said in a speech, he says a story you could repeat once in two years, a joke you could repeat once a year, a dvar twice in the same sermon because they forgot it. But uh, but uh, if somebody remembers it, a niggin fakert, right? If you're really into the niggin, I don't know if you don't like it, if you love the niggin, right? People will play the niggin, they can play it a thousand times. And each time, it's deeper, it's deeper, it's deeper. Why? Because it's not about, it's not intellectual information. It's not data. I got the information. How many times are you going to tell me the information? I know it. I'm not looking for the data. It touches a place in my soul that's very deep. You see also that music is a universal language. Words, if I I, I don't know French, I don't know Italian, I don't know Portuguese, language is divisive. Music is universal. Everybody understands the song. You may speak only Mandarin, right? Or Japanese, but we understand the song in the same way. Why? It transcends the borders of language. In other words, it transcends the borders that come from the differences between people as a result of the way they process information. It's also information, but it's a deeper space of information that transcends borders. Now Yiddishkeit has two aspects. Pasuk says, V'chalaam royim es hakeilis. What's royim es Chazal say, understand this well, royim es hanishma, is hanir. They saw what is heard, they heard what is seen. It's a very strange my name, so a mechilta on the passage Rashi brings. What does it mean? You saw what's heard, you he heard what's seen. The way the Balatanya explains it is seeing and hearing are two different realities. Now think about it. When you see something, to say it succinctly, you see the klal, and then you go from the klal to the prat. When you hear something, you, go with, you start with the prat, and you go from the prat to the klal. When I see something, let's say I go into a museum, an art gallery, and I see a beautiful piece of art. What do I see? I see the whole picture. I immediately see the whole picture. I get it all. I come into a house, a beautiful house. I see the house. I look at a body. I see the whole body. Re'iya captures the thing in its totality, the item in its other. Then I start dissecting the details. Look how this art was, look how this picture was painted. Look how this house was built. Look at the ar- architecture of this mansion. Look at the symmetry of this body. But when I see, I see the whole picture, and then I dissect the details. In hearing, that doesn't happen. If you're sharing with me a story, I listen to detail by detail. This happened, and then that happened, and then that happened. When you finish the whole story, my mind, my brain, turns it into a whole picture. I go from the prat to the cloud. Hearing is always, you can only hear one detail. And then it builds and builds, and it accumulates Right? And then you get the whole picture. And you sometimes wonder, where is this guy going? Where is this guy going? Like you're wondering probably right now. Where is he going? So it's always, min prat el haklal. Ri'iyah is min haklal el haprat. you understand that? Very, very important. What is in Judaism? There's two experiences of Judaism. There's seeing Torah and there's hearing Torah. What's the meaning of seeing Torah and hearing Torah? Seeing Torah means you look at Torah and you see Kala Torah, kola. You see the whole picture. Hearing Torah, you only hear one detail. There's two different ways of experiencing Judaism. Now, we're more familiar with one, so I have to explain the other one. But you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. One way is to quote the Gemara. Whenever the Gemara wants to prove something, Ta shma, come, listen. Do you know in Zohar, it never says Ta shma, it says Ta come, see. Why in Gemara Ta shma, and in Zohar Tachazi. Because this is the difference of Nikola and Mister. The way Terushabal works is always details. I'm learning a sugi of Gemara. Yeah, we learned today about carrying on Yom That's it. Suge of, it's a complicated sugi. Beishamay Beishilo Rashi Tosfos Letzayrich Shaloi Letzayrich I chol or not. A, bo- a bacher uh, somebody could be sitting. They learn a sugi sit a whole year on one masechta. Why even finish a masechta in a year? Eight dafim, twelve dafim. I mean, it's a sukkah There's Svarim today, every little mitzvah has today, they to have, you could buy a set of books on Shiloh HaKam. Just Shiloh Hakan, right? You could buy 20 from just on Mukhtza, which is one detail of Shabbos. <laughs> you could buy a sefer from Borer, right? You could buy a, a sefer somebody gave out two Svarim on the denim of Al HaNissim. I didn't know that there's so many Allah's about Al HaNissim to put into two books. Okay? Right? This Svarim just on Hefsik Betfillah. If this is Kaddish, the middle of davening, you're, just that. Very much today's learning is that style. You're zooming, you zoom in. You don't zoom out. You know what zooming in is? Zooming in is you go, 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 go. You focus completely on this and you tear it apart to the point that there's nothing left. You squeeze the orange till there's no juice. Which is very beautiful and very important. But sometimes it's also zooming out. Zooming out means you can't just look at the tree; you have to be able to see the forest. See the forest—that's called seeing Torah. There's hearing Torah and there's seeing Torah. When you see, you see the whole Torah. When you hear, you hear one detail, and then you piece together the details and you have the whole Torah. What does it mean to hear Torah? To hear Torah means it's the Torah that conveys concepts, and every concept is self-contained. What is seeing Torah? What does it mean to see Torah? Seeing Torah means actually an experience where the whole Torah is absolutely one. We, how does Torah become one? Generally, for this, you need the art of abstraction. What's the art of abstraction? The art of abstraction is, on the surface level, there's no the relationship between the halachas of mukta for example, and the halachas of bringing a carbon oila. There's no relationship between hilchos kriyashma and hilchos eiru vechaterus. There's no relationship between Hilches Shitta and Hilchis ribis It's it's all part of Torah, it's all part of Judaism. But that's only if you look at the details. What if you can trace back each halacha to its ultimate core, to its ultimate source, even in logic? So here suddenly two things that may seem very disparate become completely one. What happens if you can trace it back to its core in divine energy? Here... The whole, you could look at the whole Torah, and the whole Torah is really one.
0: This is what we call Mashal Ha-Kad-moni.
1: Yes, Mashal Ha-Kad-moni, in the Purim Yeah. Words always come in Pratim. Nigin always points to the Klal. That's what melody does. Why melodies inspire people more than words is because melodies don't dissect Melodies unify. Melodies point to the harmony. That's why harmony is so much part of melody. Melodies point to the cohesive, to the klal. Melodies bring together people. People lose their self-consciousness. It reaches a place in the soul where things are more unified. And really everything is unified. What happened on Matan Teiru was they saw what is heard and they heard what is seen. What does this mean? What is usually seen, they heard. What is usually heard, they see. We usually hear halacha. We can't see halacha. Detail by detail. But by matan Torah, they saw the details. What does it mean they saw what they usually heard? In every detail, they saw a reflection of the whole picture. We know in biology, we know one of the great chidushim of our generation is that a body may have almost 100 trillion cells. Each cell has within it the DNA that contains the code for the entire body. Half of each cell. That means from any cell, you could reconstruct the whole organism. It's a cell in the pinky, in the toe, the edge of the toe, which is not vital to the existence of the organism. But in that cell, you have kolaterical, you have the whole guf. In each cell, you have a copy, it's a moydu de kazakh when the cells reproduce, they copy. The entire DNA, three billion, three billion, uh, so to speak, letters of code that would really stretch over miles, but it's recoiled and contained within the cell, within each cell, the whole program of every feature, every nuance of the body. Right? So when, when I'm looking at the tiniest part of the body, really, I could see everything, if I know how to see it, if I get the, if I get the, the, the full picture. That's Royana Sanishma. Shoy sanira means... Sometimes you see the full picture, but you don't know how to translate it into details. They saw that which is usually seen, which means they saw in the Kalal, the way it then comes and is manifested in details. Generally, this is the difference of niggin and words. Teir Shebiksav points to the unfathomable unity of Torah. Torah shabal Peh is the beer of the mitzvahs. And each one contains something that the other one doesn't have. So that's Shteh When you lift up the shtehalechem, it represents bringing them both back to the source where they're really completely one, because they're really completely one. It's just this focuses on the shmia and this focuses on the Re'iyah. Even though, of course, music you also I'm just using that as a marshal. That in hearing itself, music represents something where notes easily come together to create a ballad, a song. A song is made up of, of, of detailed notes, and the song represents a unifying force. Those are the two streams of Tayosh Sam and represented by Sh'te And really, in life, both are very powerful, because there's people who are obsessed with details, and they have absolutely no big picture. They don't get it. They know everything, but they know nothing. And then there's people who got the big picture but they lose, they lose the details. Because they think if you have the big picture you're good to go. You don't need the details anymore. Hillel right? said everything else is common there. I got the big picture. But they don't have the pratim. So ultimately they're missing something very powerful. So that's the both of them combine and you reveal that in the source when you lift them up they really want
0: So just, just two dollars on that one. That would a little bit explain maybe why there's such in the world is such an appeal of briska Torah. People are so drawn to the Brisker Amdos because what it really is, is trying to do is, is unify. Take, take the pratim of Torah shel and always show that there's a higher muscle, There's some and then it it, it it so resonates with people because perhaps for that because of that longing to see it in the Torah more right? And the second thing is, it's just very interesting because I think I think it's maybe somewhere in Erichin or something about when they used to learn Gemara or the Mishnah is, they used to have a certain niggun that they learned with the Mishnah Again, you can say that they were learning Torah Shavu'at but they wanted to give it the time of Torah Shabbat to be in their experience, so they put they put the niggun to, the the, the, to, to give it that time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Like those yeah, notes. yeah, he doesn't mean completely not. There's a few places where they discuss the Huh? The, 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 the Vilna Garn a lot of times. Of chart, right? Kadma, yeah. Va'azla, I mean. Revi, yeah. and the Megili as a, a dick of... No, you have places, but generally speaking, uh, it's not something that's. Uh, that's once really in a while, yet. I mean, you'll have a Shalshala say, you'll have a Shalshala explanation here, explanation yeah, yeah.
0: But it, hey. is is Man, man base. Yeah, Sunday already uh, downloaded.
1: Right. Gonna okay. Thank, you. It. Thank you. it's going to be a little of of so Tedr Shebexav is about the song you hear, <laughs> we just heard. The whole Machlaik is how to read Asaira and Just read the words. The negin is very important. How you capture it. How you capture it. Right? That's why there's two shittas. How you capture it in song. Does every one of the Ten Commandments have its self-contained, uh, is it treated as a self-contained uh, item? And therefore it's one type of song, or it's treated as part of, like the rest of Torah, a posik is a posik. And each posik has its flow, and then you go to a new Pasek. So do we treat the end of each commandment as a safe posik, or do we treat the end of each commandment as the end of each commandment, but still part of a posik? So in Torah Shabik the concept of Negina is a major issue. Kriya's HaTarit is all about the song. You have to remember also, we all have Hamashim. We read Hamashim, we see Hamashim. In, in the days of yore, there was no printing press. The printing press only comes into Jewish history and to history in general in the 1400s. So that means for most of Jewish history, you don't have Hamashim. It doesn't exist. You have Sifri torah. And sefer Torah are written with sweat and blood, and not blood, but toil. (laughs) I realize it won't work here. Maybe in some cases, some cases tears. But it it takes a lot of work, it's a lot of money. I mean, we know it's a cipher sitting around and go sefer Torah. So the shul, when they heard Kriya Sathayra, it was an experience of not reading in a book. They were listening to the Balkaira. And that's why the music was so important. Because when we're, we, we're listening to Kriya Satayra, right? People are reading Rashi, they're reading Mafarshim, there's other flyers on the table like Dominic today by Yidin. They're busy reading all the other flyers. But even if you're doing the right thing and you're listening to Kriya Satayra, you're reading, you know, you're looking up this, you're looking up that, right? But then, there was no the experience was hearing. So it was all about the tune. The Qaeda was a top-notch Qaeda. And it was really a community experience of listening to a song. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu and Parshas Hazinu, he calls the Torah as Hashira Hazois. He calls the Torah a song. Now that's very interesting. We don't look at the Torah as a song. We look, at it, we look at it as another text. Because it is a text. We have it as a text. They didn't have it as a text. Unless you went the middle of the week and you were learning the for Torah inside, which they did. But they didn't have it as a text. Kirish HaToyit was not as a text. It was really an experience of a, a spiritual concerto, where, 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 so to speak, where the Balkhoyit was, uh, was reading the music and everybody was listening to it. So when Moshe Rabbeinu finishes his whole shire in Hazinu, it's a very interesting Lashen. Vayave Moshe divrei so the Mefarshim discuss what Hashira HaZoy says. But that's the way he's defining Torah. The song. Because Torah is 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 a song. And as we see here, the song captures a tremendous component of it. In Torah that's not emphasized in the same way. There's of course a nigin in which Jews sing Torah you know, Zag the But in Torah that is the very, it's, it's, so to speak, it's integral to it. Huh? Part of the essence, right? On the other hand, the explanation of Torah Shabbosav, the articulation of Torah in terms of formula, methodology, and instruction of what a mitzvah is—that's is Torah That's Torah So Beis Halechem represents both of the elements of Torah, and both of these elements of Torah are uplifted on, 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 uh, on Shavuos, which is the zman of Matan Torah.
0: Is there a difference between like Zimrah, Shir, and nega, and, like,
1: a Of course, of course, of course. There's just ten terms for them, And each term represents something else. Yeah, but I don't think it's for now. It's a whole, uh, it's a separate discussion. So shvuas, you lift up both both of the Lechem to the source to find in both of them their oneness because really they're one. They're all Ein and as the Rambam puts it, "Who are Yedei Avu Amadeva? Do He and His knowledge are one. So He and His components of Torah are one. So it's really all of Torah. Torah Shabbosav on Torah Shabbos. Part of the is included in the Ain Seif. Or Behen Val Yadam, So he continues on the last line. Or Behen Val Yadam And in them and through them, in the Shtei and through the Shtei Alechem, Mesiach Dem Gam Chayus Hakvosim Lias Pele Besharshin Amakir. You do the sheep with the bread. You know why? Because when the two Torahs get one, become one, the sheep get also uplifted. They also unite. When the Shtei alechem become Yachid and miyuchid, by lifting them back up to the source where there's no distinction between the music and the logic, between the Torah of and the Torah of Alpeh. Because in the source, in Ein Saif, all of Torah is cohesive, all of Torah is one. So the Kvasim, the energy in the sheep, which represents the energy in the animal, which represents the energy in the human animal as well, also becomes united. <speaking in Hebrew> to become nullified, to become aligned with their ultimate source, the kesev, Hakal <speaking in> bitl. <Hebrew> that everything, in other words, the whole world, the kvasim represents the energy of the Chaya HaKadosh that fell down into the physical beast down here, and into the beast of the human being. And that was the whole Avoid of Sfiris HaOimer that he discussed in the previous Maimir with Sfartim Lachem, to deal with the Nefer Shabahamis in all of the Midas, Chesed, Gvurit, Eferis, 49 days, to turn them into Sfartim, which he claimed is a Sfiris, that they should be aligned with God's Sfiris, with God's emotions. Human emotions should be aligned with the divine emotions. So now on Shavuos, with the two breads uplifted, they allow also the Kvasim to be uplifted because Torah is the blueprint of the universe. So when the Torah, when you create unity in Torah, you create unity in the world. When you create unity between the body and soul of Torah, between the music and the words of Torah, between the music component of Torah and the logic of Torah, they become one. So therefore in the world as well, the Kvasim, can also be uplifted and become ksavim. chametz This is the reason that the two <coughs> breads of shvuas have a unique halachic obligation. The Pasek says in Parshas Emmer, bake them as chametz. And this is an absolute chiddush. All the bread in the Beis HaMikdash, all year around, was matzah. All year around. That's why they can have the, shte, the lechem upon him on Pesach because it was baked as matzah. They took flour and they baked it. They needed it, but they baked it immediately, so it turned into shtei lechem It's turned, in, I mean to, to lechem upon him, but it was matzah. All the menachas people brought menachas. Every carbon tzebur came with a mincha, like we say in all of the in all of the carbonas musafim, right? <speaking in Hebrew> What does that mean? Every carbon sibur came with an accessory. The accessory was, it wasn't just they offered an animal. They also offered a mincha. They took flour, a certain amount, isorin. Huh? Blulavar right? And this was usually burnt on the mezbeach. So that was flour. But what about the menachas that people brought and many of them were eaten by the kayanin? They were baked, but they were always baked as matzah. They were baked as matzah. So therefore, it's oh you're always dealing with matzah. Of course, if the flour was offered, so then it wasn't baked. There was no issue of chametz and matzah. It's just flour. It was just mixed with oil, not with water. But when, uh, when, uh, when you baked it, it was always matzah. The exception is, once a year Shavuos, the chiv was dafka, dafke chametz. So it's interesting. Pesach, you bring a carbon of barley flour, and of course, not chametz. It's burnt as flour, and the rest is baked as matzah by the kayanim and eaten. Shtei came from wheat flour, wheat, and it was chametz, and it didn't go to the Mizbeach. Shetei was exclusively eaten by the Koyen. The carbon oimer of Pesach, part of it, the chametz, the fistful went on the Mizbeach, the rest was baked and eaten by Koyen as Matzah. As Koyedosh Kedoshim in the bay samitush, they ate on Pesach, they ate their, their, their treat. On Shvuez, the Shetei didn't go on to the Mizbeach. They baked them as chametz, they were eaten by the Koyen, after they were uplifted with the sheep, they went to the Koyen. What's the vart here? The only carbon of chametz, he says, as follows: <laughs> This is a uh, absolutely very powerful idea. Why the stelachem has to be Davke chametz? Chametz generally is associated in in, in drush and mussar, already in Gemara, with with, uh, with with arrogance. The Gemara has an expression about koyrish this is before he became Hamid or before he became sour or before he became Dick uh, after it's an expression so the says should be the eight Sahara in the yeast in the dough represents the eight Sahara why what's wrong so, what's wrong say should basically the self inflation huh? ego ego, egotism right arrogance, haughtiness, et etc. Matzah represents the flat, humble bread that we don't allow to rise and to become inflated physically, and therefore its counterpart emotionally. (laughs) But there is a strange aspect here. Because if humility is so powerful and so blessed, so why is it only for eight days? A whole year you should eat matzah. A whole year we can eat chametz. And on Shavuos, it's a mitzvah to eat chametz, and not only that, it's the only time of the year that it's a mitzvotit chametz. So the Balatanya explains as follows. Sheme'ach ar shemis'ala l'mekar hachiyuz. Since the bread and the sheep are elevated to their source of life, in other words, there's your life below and there's your life above. Remember, there's the image below and there's the image above. There's who you are when you look in the mirror, but there's who you really are. Where you come from, what your potential is what your calling is, what your capacity is. Not just see yourself superficially, but see yourself holistically, internally. So once your ma'ila, the the Kevas, to the mucker of its chayez, which is the whole concept of karbanas that he explained earlier, that you lift up the animal, you recognize the quality of the animal, which is unique among everything in the world. Because only in the animal do we find that element of bittel that doesn't exist by a person Because in this world, people, you know, we're like sharks. Everybody's fighting for their turf. By domesticated animals, especially by sheep, you still see that concept of bitul hayash in a very, very powerful way. But by the animal, it's only expressed towards the human being, towards the master, because he's an animal. The animal is an animal. It doesn't know better. So it dedicates itself to the master. But the shayrish of it comes from what? From an element of very deep oneness with a divine energy. It's just lost in translation. As he explained, it went through the trauma of the shvira of falling down. The whole process of the cosmic evolution. So now it all goes back to the mokher, which is why you're lifting up the sheep. The source of the chius. Now every word here is precise as usual. The source of the chius, which brings existence to oilimus Hanifrodim, to fragmented worlds. Yesh in something from nothing, comes from something we call ha which we say every morning. He gives light to the earth and everyone who lives on the earth, Berachamim. Basically, you're focusing on the sunlight that comes into the shul, which is why a shul should have some windows. Over im He's constantly renewing the work of creation. So you you're reflecting on the miracle of really the cosmos existing. That the king that's exalted alone from from your from the from forever. He's praised. He's exalted. he's exalted from the days of the world. Ele, which means from the times of the world, he's above the world. So he says these words are Bidiak. His <laughs> nasus means exalted, like, like Lisa, to carry, somebody who's aloof, who's sublime. Lift up the head, right? He's aloof, he's sublime, he's exalted. So he says, the mucker of the chius to separate fragment, create fragmented worlds, comes from Amisnase. Shazel chayusam This becomes their life force. Why? Because shemisnaseh is Because the divine energy becomes exalted and somewhat removed from them, he doesn't allow himself to be manifested in them, Mamish. in other words, that they should feel his presence, that's why they feel themselves are separate, they feel themselves completely separate, because if Hashem would allow his energy to be fully revealed and palpable in their consciousness, everyone would experience themselves as just divine energy, divine electricity, just divine energy being manifested through me. We don't feel that way. Godliness is counterintuitive. Everything we learn in Yiddishkeit is counterintuitive. So that counterintuitive element, one of the very interesting things here is that... uh, I don't want to get too off-subject, but... validating the human struggle is extremely important because if not, you either look at yourself as crazy or you become crazy. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? A person has to appreciate the fact that godliness is counterintuitive because if I don't appreciate that fact and I look at myself and I know it's counterintuitive to me, so one of two things happens. Either I look at myself as very lowly I'm like, because I so don't experience it. Or I decide that I have to experience it so I become an erotic, because I become a person that I'm not supposed to become. So the important understanding here, which is a big yesoed by the is understanding the process of creation was that God is Misnase, And because he's Misnase, he created a cosmos where everyone feels completely separate from him. And that's part of the design. That's not a mistake. And therefore, it's not a tragedy ultimately, because it's part of the plan that there is what this is what's called <laughs> olemus nephradum. Olemus nephradum means we're fragmented from each other, and we're fragmented from him. And it's habahatalia. <laughs> the achdus between humanity is directly dependent on the achdus with the boire, because what unites us. I know that in America we say all men were created are created equal, but who says? <laughs> Who says, maybe we're not created equal. Maybe we're not created equal. The truth is, when one recognizes that there's one source, so of course there is an equal element because we all come from one place. And if you reveal that source in each individual identity, so ultimately there's a oneness. Everybody is manifesting divine electricity, divine light, divine energy. But because... He creates us in a way that His presence is not manifested and revealed and conspicuous in human identity or in animal identity or in any identity. He's misnase. What's misnase? Misnase means He creates boundaries for Himself. Hands off. I delegate. I allow for autonomy. There's two ways of running a company: how me or you micromanage everything. Did you change the light bulb yet? Did you change the light bulb? I can't even trust my secretary to make a copy. I have to make the copy myself too. Some people like that. Or there's the other extreme. misnase. You're aloof. You're somewhat detached. What's the difference? When you're detached, when you're aloof, detached in a good, I don't mean in a bad way, detached, careless, but I mean aloof, you allow people to take responsibility. But in this case, it's not just God allowing people to take responsibility. It's God allowing people to feel themselves as separate. So because he is misnaseh, meaning... His chius is not malubish. It is malubish, but it's not malubish mamish that we don't feel the infinite presence within us. So therefore we feel separate from each other and separate from him. Everybody is in their own turf. That's why he said the tachlis of the whole Bria is to reverse that process. God created yesh from ayin and we create ayin from yesh. God took energy and turned it into matter. We take matter and turn it into energy. God took intangible reality and turned it into tangible reality. We reverse the process. But if all the doors of perception were cleansed, if our doors of perception were completely cleansed, everything would appear as is, infinite. The more our doors of perception are cleansed, everything appears as is, infinite. Infinite. But to reveal the transcendence existing in the matter takes a tremendous power of perception and deep mindfulness. So therefore, because he's misnase, so the chius that he gives to the world allows the world and each human to assume an autonomous identity in their own perception. But what happens? Now listen to what happens on Shavuot's but when everything comes back to its source, which is, which is the P'china of Hashem, who is he remains Minusa, he remains above, because if he wouldn't remain Histalkos, there would be no Yesh. Everything would just be part of the Ayin. Everything would just experience itself as nothing but divine energy. Because he's misnaseh, he's he's aloof. So therefore, we're created as a yesh. Now, when we take that yesh and we trace it back to the source, so we go back to our source. What's the source? Misnaseh. <inaudible> so you know what happens to all of creation? It also becomes exalted and aloof. <inaudible> because they are return to their own source and their source is in a state of and which is a state of exaltedness, of aloofness beyond far and beyond, higher and therefore it allowed there to be a yesh so now when you go back to that source, you assume the quality of your yesh, which is and that's the chametz of shavuos that's the inflation of shavuos that's the sense of exaltedness, of inflation of shavuos
0: Exact opposite how he used Chametz when he was talking about
1: Pesach. Right. The exact yeah. Exact opposite. What do you mean in what sense?
0: There it was his becoming a yesh, and here
1: it's becoming an ayin. An ayin. And through that, the person becomes, the, he assumes the yeshus of Hashem. He assumes the quality of malchus of Hashem, the confidence of God, the royalty of the misnasim and because you go back to your source. So here the Chametz is necessary, but it's an opposite type of Chametz. In simple English, there's two forms of self, there's two types of self confidence. There's a self confidence that obscures your insecurity. (coughs) There's a self confidence that comes because you're insecure. (coughs) Excuse me. There's a confidence that comes because a person is struggling to find themselves. And there's the confidence that comes from complete bittl. This is the second type of confidence. There's one confidence that comes. A person is fighting for their confidence because in this world, it's a tough world. So you become confident, but why am I really confident? I'm confident. I'm trying to establish myself as an identity. So I, that's what type of confidence I'm trying to display. And then there's a deeper type of confidence I'm not suffering anymore from the burden of an identity. I don't have to carry anymore the burden of having to exist (laughs) so I could really be confident. I'm completely comfortable with my nothingness and my vulnerability because I don't fade away into oblivion. I fade away into the source of my existence. So because I come into the source of my existence, so therefore it's a different type of confidence. It's a confidence where I'm... The first confidence, I'm very afraid of vulnerability. I have to... Disguise myself and always project a mask of perfection. Does anybody have that issue? That you have to portray yourself as on top of the world? So it's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to have an honest conversation with somebody. It's hard to express flaws. It's hard to discuss serious stuff that are going on that are not the most beautiful and noble because what are you going to think of me? So, what type of confidence is that? It's not real confidence, it's real weakness. I'm just struggling to be confident in order to protect myself in this world, but I'm really protecting myself because I'm weak. I'm trying to eclipse my sense of mediocrity because I don't want, I don't want to die. You know, there's sharks everywhere, <laughs> right? There's sharks, so I'm also going to be a shark. I had a student at some point. He was a very idle person. And I met him, and he, he seemed very aggressive, so I said, What happened to you? So he says, I'm in the real estate business in Manhattan. He says, that's everything that happened to me. And for 10 years, I've been working with sharks. I became a shark as well, because I don't want to be eaten. I think Churchill or somebody said that uh, appeasement, he spoke about uh, Chamberlain appeasing Hitler, right? So he yeah. said the appeaser feeds the shark, feeds the crocodile, hoping that he will be eaten last. He says, that's what appeasement is, yeah? Mm-hmm. He says, I don't want to be eaten first. I don't want to be eaten last. So that's that's a type of confidence that comes with aggression. That chametz you have to get rid of on Pesach, because there's no way of liberation if you're not if you're not uh, if you're not really vulnerable. If you're not humble to the process of life, if you're not opening yourself up, then ultimately the person will not be able to set themselves free. What happens on Shavuos after Sefirat is dafka. You have to have chametz. but this is a different type of chametz. This is the chametz that comes. When you align yourself with God's self, you align yourself with your true self. So now you assume the quality of ha Misnasim is also chametz. What does misnasim mean? Hisnasos. What's hisnasos? Hisnasos, I don't know what a good translation is. Uh, you have a good translation for hisnasos. Huh? A sense of royalty, aristocracy, exaltedness. So is this chametz or not chametz? But because this is the because the whole yesh only comes because Hashem is Amesnaseh. Because if he wouldn't be Amesnaseh, if he wouldn't be royal and exalted, if he would be so to speak compromised and and, and limited and, and shrink his presence into our consciousness, there would never be a yesh. There would never be the first chametz. So so when a, a shvuas, when everything is uplifted, the shtay alechem, and therefore the whole world, the kevas, comes back to the kasev. So the whole humanity reality assumes the quality of hamisnasek because that's your Shurish. So once you assume that quality, that's the chametz of shruas. So it's not like the chametz of Pesach that's iser b'mashu. Even a mashu chametz in Pesach is also. By all these terms, there's no iser b'mashu. You have basa b'cholov, you have treif, you have Orlo, you have. There's not iser b'mashu besides chametz. Chametz on Pesach, you have a thousand pounds of matzah or stam kosher food, and a little bit of crumb of chametz falls in, shishim, a hundred, a thousand. am Pesach, chametz, mashu. It's a de kazakh. The pshat is, if I may say it in these words, when a person is going into, a person is going into recovery, if they lie even a mashu, if even one detail is dishonest, they're undermining everything. You say, yeah, but 99% of the time I say truth. Everything I told you was true besides this. I don't care if it's 99. I don't care if it's one in a billion. The fact that you're still busy hiding, you're ready. You're, 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 you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow because you're manipulating the process. You have to let truth reign. And truth has to be vulnerable. So even a mashu chametz is going to destroy you. You see it in aloha. What's a mashu? I don't care how much. If there's any room for... It's like in the mikveh. You have one hair. Big deal. But in the womb of the mother, there's no hair sticking out. The fetus is inside completely. If one part of me, I say, oh, this I'm not going to be honest about, then it's not a mikveh. And it's not, it's, not, it's not Pesach. That's the chidosh of shvuas. Once this whole process happens and you really go back to your source, now your dafka become chametz. Now you're exalted because your exaltedness reflects God's exaltedness, and you're part of your shodish. And the shodish is a mesnase, so you're the of That's only after the hanaf of the of the So it's not so much about self. We talked today about self. We're busy self-confidence. It's not so much about self-confidence; more about God's God's confidence in you. <laughs> When your self is aligned with your real self So then automatically you're confident But that confidence is not a contradiction to being vulnerable Because you're not covering up anything doesn't mean I don't make mistakes It means I understand my real source So I could still be vulnerable About my, you know, my struggles Or whatever they are
0: Is soul
1: confidence? Yisod? No, Malchus
0: Malchus
1: confidence yeah. is something else
0: in a certain sense, this ends up paralleling some of what you said about the Baal Shamtav of What I mean, that there's certain Chametz which you have to be in yeah. Hashem And there's certain Chametz yeah. which you can be maled to you could different supplement type of, of Chametz into it. Yeah. You could supplement. You, know? you mean the Shir with Chesed,
1: Malarias.
0: The, 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 the addiction Shir. In other words, some, you, have, you have to know yourself. You know, the Baal <laughs> with Yeah, the, yeah. You can take certain... Sometimes you can take ch- Chametz and you really can be maled. But a lot of times you have
1: to say, when you yeah. to recover, it's then it's Hashkim lahar. Yeah. Yeah. I said to the mayor about why Avram went to Negev after Lloyd. He had to reinvent <coughs> Chesed. <coughs> maybe he maybe did. Yes, I think he did. I think he did say. When he saw what Lloyd say. did, he said, oh, I have to start all over? I think he yeah. did say that. Sure. And <laughs> I Ya yeah. obaze yuvan hafrish see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 9 lines from the top on 74 lamad zayin column 3 Obaze yuvan hafrish this will explain the difference ben kif se'at seres le ben shnei haqvasham hat mitam This will explain the difference between the two sheep that were brought on shvu'os together with the, with the two loaves of bread, which were made of chametz, and the two sheep that were brought every single day as a carbon tumet, including on shavuos. What's the difference? It's very interesting. Shnei kif shlomim labaylam. The two sheep that were brought on shavuos were essentially a carbon shlomim, eaten by the owner, which is a unique phenomenon because... There's no such a thing in Halacha as Shalmay Tzibur besides on Shavuos. The Tzibur never brings a carbon Shlaman. Most of the carbonists of the Tzibur are a carbon Eila or a carbon khatas. A carbon Eila is all the Tmidim and the Musafim that were brought, Shabbos, Yomtev, Rishchaydish, including Shavuos. There's no such a thing as Tzibur. An oil, of course, is burnt completely on the Mizbeich. The whole animal, the blood is sprinkled on the altar, and then all over the flesh, not only certain fats, but all over the flesh is burnt on the Mizbeich. Just to hide, the skin goes to the Kayana. A carbon shlamim was not that way. A carbon shlamim, fats were taken out of the behemah and put on the Mizbeich to burn, but all the rest was eaten by the owner. So Shalme Tzibur didn't exist. It was only Shalme yachid. A yachid could bring a carbon shlamim. But not the tzibur. There was in, the, in the community, uh, sacrifices is no tzibur, shalme tzibur. There's an oila tzibur and a chatah tzibur. One exception. The two sheep that were brought on Shavuos that were waved up, those were the only karbanas shlamim on behalf of the whole klal Yisrael. And they were, of course, eaten by the kayanim who represented Jewish people in the Beis Hamikdash. But every day you also bring two sheep. In the morning and the afternoon, that's a carbon oila. That's called the carbon tamid, because it's tamid, it's constant, it's every day. On, pays, on Shavuos, you brought two extra sheep, which you lifted up with the two loaves of bread on them. Those Shtei represent, as he said, Teir and Teir And when you lift up Teir Shabek and to their source, and you create unity in Taira, then you could create unity between the Keves and the Kesev. And that's why it could be chametz. Why can it be chametz? Because when you go back to your own source, then you become part of the hamas sey mi Your eye merges with the divine eye, and then you don't have to hide your eye, you don't have to repress your eye, you don't have to turn yourself into flat, humble matza. Because your identity becomes a reflection, it becomes a mirror, it becomes a continuum of hamisnasim imayis olam, of the exaltedness of the divine. So on the contrary, the mitzvah is precisely to use chametz. You're not allowed to use matzah for shtei allah You're not allowed to bake it as matzah. It has to be baked as chametz. The, the dough has to rise. The dough has to be inflated. Because when you go back to the source, and the source is hamisnasim imayis olam, because that's the chius that gives life to our worlds, is a chiyos that's, this, that's, in the, that's of, the, of the category of the category of ymo because since the divine energy is aloof and exalted, and in a state of sublimity, therefore, our chiyos is one that allows us to become nifrid, that allows us to be a yesh. Why does it allow us to be a yesh? Because it's a chiyos, it's an energy, it's a chiyos that comes from, the Hisnasus of the divine energy. And as a result of that, the Chaius that is enclosed in the Nivra re- retains a certain aloofness, a certain transcendence, a certain sublimity, a certain exaltedness, a certain Malchus, which gives room for separateness, for fragmentation, for autonomy, as explained. On is when everything goes back to its source, which is HaMisnasim in they also assume the level of of because they are included in their source, which is Misnasim in So therefore, now the chiyuv is is Dafka Chametz. So now this explains something unique about the two sheep that this is a carbon Shlumim only Shalme Tzibur a whole year. A whole, where a whole year you only have carbonous Tzibur of sheep, which are a carbon Ayla. What's the difference? So he says as follows. The carbonist midim represent the sheep that came down below into the world of Pirud, into the world of fragmentation, which is our world. In our world, everything is fragmented. One person from another person, one creature from another creature one piece of matter from another piece of matter, everything seems to be self-contained, and the natural state of things is pirud. Even within ourselves, we're fragmented. We are torn, we're split, we're dichotomized between so many different drives, so many different conflicts, so many different priorities. A part of you wants to be a good father, but a part of you wants to stay in the office for another few hours. A part of you wants to do the right thing, but a part of you also wants to do other things. A part of you goes upwards. A part of you goes downwards. So we are all, the period is not only between me and others, between the world at large, within every person. We're, 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 we are, we're fragmented in so many different ways, so many different drives and dispositions and proclivities and conflicts. Sometimes you're in the mood, you're not in the mood, you have an upper, you have a downer, you're inspired, you're lifeless, you're full of life, you're full of coldness, you care, you don't care, you're moral and then an hour later you're absolutely immoral. The great the great uh, condition of mankind which is so fragmented it could go from one extreme to another extreme in absolutely in absolutely no time. The Chida brings a fascinating thing in the name of Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. Quite intense. He asks in Parshish Emer, why is a Kayan god not allowed not to marry an almona? I can understand you say a Kayan is not allowed to marry a grusha because... She, she's she's coming from a situation of conflict. No matter who's to blame, let's say it's him to whatever. It's not it's not relevant who's to blame, but ultimately she's coming from a situation of, of conflict. There was tragedy here, so you say it's not for a kohen, but an almana. She's a widow. It's her fault. It's somebody's fault. God took her husband, so she's a widow. Why can't a God gadol marry an almana? So uh, Rabbi Yudah HaChassid says quite an interesting interpretation. He says, the argues with it, but I just want to bring out the, 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 the insight, the vart. He says that the is as follows. The Kohen Adel goes into Kodesh HaKadoshim every year on Yom Kippur. Those are moments of incredible power, especially when he utters God's ineffable name, the Shema Farish. Says Rabbi Yudah HaChassid. What happens if the Kayan Gadol takes a liking to a particular woman? We are afraid that Yom Kippur and Kaddish HaKadoshim he will use the power of the Shema Mifurish to eliminate her husband from the world. So that way his path will be free to marry this man's widow. So therefore the Torah says because you're a Kayan Gadol you won't be able to marry an at Atka. Now think about this. You have a Koyen Gadol, Anyam Kippur in Kodesh This is what you're suspecting him? He's going into the Holy of Holies, the holiest day of the year, the holiest person, so to speak, at the holiest moment, in the holiest place. And we are suspicious that he may take a liking to somebody and he'll use those moments to get rid of her husband, so therefore he could do what he wants. And therefore the Torah has to Asr al-Amanah. Now, of course, this doesn't mean every kohen Gadol was suspected of this, but it's telling us something very powerful about the human condition. And that is, you could be a kohen Gadol, on Yom Kippur, in Kedesh but if you are addicted to something, and if you have a crush on something, and if you're obsessed with something, all the nobility in the world will fly right out the window, and you are capable of becoming the most coarse, brute, beastly, narcissistic human being possible. That's the human condition. Now this is not only a depressing vart, it's also an inspiring vart. Why? Because this means that a person who's capable of such drives could go into the Kaida HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur. It works both ways. So this is the important key that the Pirud is not a mistake. The period is part of the design. What if we would be able to look at all of the conflicting drives and see them really from a point of view of achtos? What does it mean from a point of view of achtos? You would see all of the contrasting drives as simple invitations to a deeper level of self-awareness and a deeper level of spiritual growth. So what you perceive as conflict is not really conflict. On a deeper level, they're really all unified because you could see the ultimate purpose in them, which are really invitations, they're catalysts and springboards in order to turn you into the person you're capable of becoming or who you really are. So imagine early in the morning or early in my life, I can look at all of the conflicts in my life from a vantage point, from a bird's eye view, from God's view, so see all the, all the achtus in the pirut. See all the fragmentation as really different colors of a rainbow, as really different limbs of a body, different pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, different notes of a ballad, and different instruments of a symphony. You got all the metaphors? <laughs> right? The notes in a ballad are also different notes. A ballad, heist niggin. They're also different notes, but they create one composition. The limbs in a body are all distinct and different, but never does it happen that the kidney comes to the liver and says, you know, when are you going to already look like me? Or the heart turns to the brain and says, just become like me. We're very thankful that there is some level of Pirut, because that way each one contributes its unique role in the living, or what we call life, the organism of a human being, or any living organism. So here the Pirut is not really Pirut, because we see the vantage point of everything together, how they fit into the context of creating life. So we have a holistic view. That's the concept of lifting up the two sheep and lifting up the Shteya Lechem to be able to give you a holistic view of life. So the world is still a fragmented place, but it's not really fragmented because you take a look at yourself and you see that all your conflicts are not really conflicts. They appear as conflicts. You appear as a fragmented person, but really what they are all is... They all are there to create the challenge or the springboard for the person to introduce his or her unique humanity and spirituality and be able to create harmony within fragmentation, create harmony within divisiveness. So, Pirud here assumes a quality of Ahtus by seeing it from the bird's eye view that brings it all together. So, that's what he says. The Kvasim, essentially, are not from the world of Pirut. The Kvasim are from the world of Achtos. Like everything in the world, especially animals, where you still see the Ahtus because you see their Bittal, you see their subservience to their Master, which really is rooted in the fact that everything is bottled to the Divine Energy, because we're part of the Divine Energy. Just like the limbs are bottled to the brain and bottled to the soul, not because they're repressed, because there's one central nervous system that combines the whole body. Never does it happen that the arm turns to the leg and says, it's been 40 years of dictatorship and tyranny. I'm not going to have a North Korean situation anymore in my life. This little brain, this little khamjul rung, whoever he is, this little brain who's a nobody, nobody, a little jello, a little soft, little jello with one pinky, I could crumble him and destroy him. Is dictating everything. I have a big stomach, Baruch Hashem, and strong arms and strong legs. I'm not going to let the brain be such a, such a tyrant. So what do they do? They create a little surgery and they take out the brain and they throw it into the dustbin and they say, "Free at last." Free at last, that little brain will not tell me what to do every millisecond of my day. The only problem is, it's time to call the Hever Kadish. Because without the brain, the arm is Nishken Arm and the leg is Nishken Arm. It's all dead pieces of flesh. They become garbage. So it turns out that the dictator was not a dictator. The dictator actually was their own identity expressed. Fully as a living, a living organism. In other words, when they are part of the brain, they are part of themselves. Their full identity is expressed. Now it's a hand. Chas v'sholem, the brain is not alive anymore. It's not a hand anymore. It's not a leg anymore. What is it? It's independent. But what is it as independent? As Hillel says, So you're not doing a favor to the arm or the leg or the kidneys or the heart by removing the brain and making them independent, because they're not following instructions anymore. Why? Because what the brain is doing, is allowing them to be fully them. That's what Bitl to means. Bitl to Hashem doesn't mean, bitl Hashem, I'm repressing me, to surrender my identity to a dictator, who's busy controlling me. No. Bitl to means, since divine energy is, the essence of all of identity, so a relationship, a real relationship with God, means a real relationship with myself like the arm's connection to the brain. It allows the arm to live fully, to express its full potential, to become cognizant of who it really is in the context of an organism. And if you talk to detach it, wow, you could put put it on a shelf, but Nebuchadnezzar it's lifeless, it's dead, it's worthless. And ultimately, it won't even live as an independent corpse, it's going to rot away. You understand? Even as that, it won't survive. Even as that, it won't survive. So this is the concept of Bittl, the way Hasidus explains it. Not repression, but ultimate self-realization. Because you're bringing it back to the source. Where do you see it the most in this world? You see it in the animal, in the domesticated animal, particularly in the sheep. That's why the sheep is the symbol of the carbon, which is basically tracing it back to the original space in which the whole world is one. But the way it comes out here in the animal is that the animal is bottled to the person. You don't see the spirituality of it and the carbon brings it out. So the Tamid represents the sheep the way it's down here. In Olam HaPirud. Therefore, You can't make it a Shlomim. You can't give it to the owners to eat. Because that means it goes even lower. So basically, you're allowing the sitra achira, the other side, to hold on to it and to get nurture from it. I'll explain in a moment. V'Tsarekli is Kulay so that's why it has to be an Eulah, which means kolal. It has to be completely for Hashem. Avalkiv seres, <clears throat> but the sheep of Shavuos, sheheh malechem bikurim lifnei which, as the Pasik says, they join the bread of the Bikurim of Shavuos. And they get lifted up the pasuk says, Lifne Hashem before Hashem." In other words, "Lamayil b'me'kaydim, lepchinas k'savim." The sheep get lifted up to their source. From keves, you turn, you make kesev, which is why in the beginning of parshas Emor, the lashon is not keves but kasev. Shoyr a kasev ki because it's the beginning of Parashas HaKarbanas, including Shvuas, and they also become included in the Sh'te Halechem, the two elements of Torah, here there is no dominance, or nurture that's going to go to Sitra Achara, which is why it has to be Hametz, Although Pesach, we're so afraid of chametz, but here the chametz is desirable and obligatory. So that's why this is the only Shalmit Sibur that becomes a Shlomim, which can be eaten by the owner, doesn't have to be completely dedicated to, uh, dedicated to spirituality. What is he saying? The difference of oil and Shlomim is, Eulah is dedicated completely to God. Literally, it's burnt on the Mizbeach. Shlomim is a partnership. That's why it's called Shlomim. Chazal say Shlomim is from the word Shalom. It creates peace. Hashem has His peace. The Kayanim get their peace. The Bailim get their peace. Everybody is happy. In other words, Shlomim represents integration. I eat it, but Hashem also eats it. Now, here is the difference. When the kevas fell down below, and it's a product of a world of pirud, a world of fragmentation... Here, one has to be very careful. What does one have to be careful with? One is under the spell of the world of Pirut. One is under the spell of the world of the shells of the world of Sitra So that's why we take the carbon and how do we elevate it? How we how do we sublimate it? We sublimate it by revealing that it's part of Hashem Israel Lasha. If a person is going to eat it, that eating of the carbon oila, the regular carbon oil, the carbon kevas would be counterproductive, because since it's being eaten by the human being of flesh and blood, living in this world, ultimately he could be feeding the less desirable parts of himself, because he's in a world of pirut. Mm-hmm. That's all not on Shavuos, but on Shavuos, that the keves got lifted up to the place of Kesev, together with the Sh'teya here... We said it could be chametz. It has to be chametz. Why can it be chametz? On Pesach, chametz is undesirable because it depends how you define your eye. If your eye is still in a more primitive state, let's use the classic metaphor. If a person, for example, is still dominated by lots of qualities that are very undesirable or say bad habits or addictions and so forth, the slightest form of chametz can damage everything. As we explained, the slightest form of arrogance and lack of complete vulnerability and honesty can damage his entire growth, even a mashu. 99% you speak truth, but 1% you're busy covering up and protecting yourself, you black your path to recovery. That's all on Pesach. On Shavuos, when the eye is sublimated to be able to express its full glory, its full light. So now, self-expression is not only permitted, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It becomes a mitzvah because the self is reflecting the divine light that is shining through you. The keves has been aligned with the kesef. The sin before the base rather than the shin after the base. The midos have been traced back to their source, the sin before the base. Turei chashucha that are higher than the even higher than Chachman Bin has explained earlier. So now The self is the most desirable identity. Why? Because if you repress it, what are you repressing? You're actually repressing the expression of God in this world through you. So therefore, what's the natural ramifications of this sheep? You eat it. It becomes part of you. It becomes part of human food. It doesn't only go to God. It becomes completely integrated within the human condition. Because the human condition has been completely sublimated, completely elevated. When you're in a state of conflict, so now you have to be careful. You have to be extremely careful. Because if you're not careful and you start feeding yourself, which part of yourself are you feeding? It could be part of it, could be... Nurtured, they could be. They could suck. They could become parasitic. The parasites are always there to schlep. So you have to be very careful. But, uh, but, but, but on Shvuas, the, the kvasim become the become karbonus, karbonus An example for this would be, right? The Gemara says that Hayayin. Uh, certain people should never drink wine. Why? Because it could bring the day kilkul. So the Nazir will never drink wine. You don't say, oh, right? Somebody who has an issue with alcohol, drinking arbaces could be the worst thing in the world. Why? Because there's too many parasites in his system. And the moment he starts tasting it, even though it's just for a mitzvah, he's too weak. He's too weak. He's too vulnerable to fall. So you have to completely stay away from it. You have to say, this is not for me. This cannot come into me. There has to be an absolute partition, absolute rule, because I am not. I cannot integrate it yet. I cannot integrate it. There's places I have to stay away from, there's things I have to stay away from, and I have to be very honest about it. That's one state of life. That's the state of Pesach. Then there's the state of Shavuos, is a very different state. The person's self has been transformed or sublimated. So now... You're not dangerous. You're in a partnership with God. So just like Hashem gets His part, which is we're not afraid that Tzitrachet is coming to get that because God is not vulnerable to addiction. When your eye is fully uh, cognizant of its true source, so you're in a higher state, now you can eat the carbon. This keves, this keves is not anymore an Olam pirut. This keves is an Olam HaAchtos. If it's an Olam HaAchtos, your meals are part of Achtos. Your food is also part of avodas Hashem. Your physical life is part of 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 the divine reality. There's no detachment.
0: The bar says that by Shua's right, Hakol the
1: That's mamish the By other yamim toivim, there's a machloikus. Reb Lezer, Reb Yeshua, kuloi l'Hashem, or kuloi l'chem, because either could be kulay l'Hashem, it could be kuloi l'chem, or chetzi. We do chetzi l'Hashem. Chetzir Lechem, to do both. So we do half HaShem, half Lechem. The Gemara says, Ampsachem, <laughs> hakal moidem batzeres de'be'ine nami Lechem. By Shavuos, everybody is they need Lechem. My time is on the Gemara. Yoim shenitne by Torah. What's the Shaykh? It's because Torah was given. <laughs> Therefore, so more Torah should be less Lechem. But that's the Vart. That the Kabbalist HaTorah of Shavuos, represented by the shtei HaLachem, the Torah Shabaksev and Torah Shabalpeah, Allows the bein and faket you need the lachem It's after Sfiris Omer you need the lachem. Why? Because the lachem is is integrated. The 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 Harim in Parshas Noach it says that uh, very interesting comment he says it says in Parshas Noach after the marble that Noach was of the carbonus he comes out of the Teva, and it says Noach took all the kosher, the, he took from the kosher animals that he had. Vayal he offered oyles unto the mizbeach. So the Zohar says it was oyles, not shlomim. So the Chiddush Harim says that there's a very profound diuk in that. Because an oyla in many ways is easier than a shlomim. An oyla means you just give it away to God. You give it away to God. In other words, there's a moment that you say, This belongs completely to Hashem. I'm not there. So that's not such a challenge. He said that the Ben Noyach also does. The Ben Noyach could master that. There's moments that are dedicated to worship, to heaven, to God. That's the carbon oil. The Shlomim is already much more powerful. The Shlomim you're eating, but it's also a carbon. You're eating. It's my Achille, but it's also Kedusha. It has to be eaten with Kedusha. There's certain certain Zman when you can eat, a certain Mokken when you can eat it. In other words, that the Lachem is also part of it. It's me eating, it's my enjoyment. To be able to permeate that with an awareness of the Divine, to be able to synchronize the two, Heaven and Earth, that's the great challenge. How can that happen? Only when you unify Teirah and Teirah When you create the unity in taira, you can create the unity in the world. In Torah there's two streams. Torah Shabal There's the music of Torah. And there's the logic of Torah. There's the spirituality of Torah. And then there is the logical structure and law of Torah. Usually it's two streams. One is represented by Torah Shabak Which is much more mystical and mysterious. And much less comprehensible. And one, rep- especially the, the music of Torah Shabal The Taime Mikra. And one is represented by what? By Torah Shabal which represents the structure of Torah, the beard of Torah, the logic of Torah, the mitzvahs of Torah. Those are, so to speak, two streams of Torah. In many ways, you could say, the soul of Torah, the source of Torah, and the way Torah is manifested below that we should be able to understand it. In Allah it says that Torah should be the mitzvah of limadah Torah, even if you don't understand. Lo kamar. It's brought in Yerachaim and Simenun. Uh, Amar, it goes up. you can make a birchas atayr. How do you make a birchas atayr? You don't understand a word. With the Torah shabeksav, Torah If you don't understand, you're not yotz. You're not yotz the mitzvah. I mean, you, you could read the ISIS, yes, it's a nice thing, but you're not yotz the mitzvah of limud atayr because the whole geddit of Torah shabal peh has to be havana. In other words, it's integrated into, it's assimilated into the human condition, at least on some level. Of course, there's many levels of understanding; it's infinite. But the definition Torah requires havana. Torah is essentially music. You understand every song you sing. <laughs> you barely understand the song, right? Songs are very deep. You sense a song. You don't understand the song. It doesn't have the same structure like logic. So in Torah, there's two streams. There's the Torah of heaven and the Torah of earth. What do we mean the Torah of earth? Torah of is also menah But it was revealed through earth. It was revealed through the Chachmei HaMessayra. That's the Torah of earth. The Torah of heaven is Sinai. It comes direct there's no diluted. It wasn't diluted. There was no machlokes. It doesn't. Human logic doesn't become part of here. What would it stook him arguing with Chazal? They agreed with Tereshabiksav, not Tereshabalpe. Why they agree with Tereshabiksav, not Tereshabalpe? Because they they believe in carbon and not carbon Shlomim. Carbon oil yeah. God is God, but that the human being can be divine. Zoisloi. That the human being can become part of it. That not the chiddush of carbon shlumim is. There's shalom between Hashem and the Bailem. That happens only on Shavuos when the sheep get uplifted because the Torah gets uplifted. When a person, when we reveal the complete unity in Torah, so that becomes reflected in the world at large as well. That the Pneumis of the world, and the Chitzanis of the world, come together.
0: Just make sure I'm typing so. There's a macro level and a micro. At the macro level, Pesach starts with the whole struggle of chametz and you know, all you see this Mitzrayim which continues through Sphere with the whole struggle of Mitzrayim and chametz. not that chametz is okay during sphere, but the point is it starts with this chametz and Bitl and everything and then you work to Yeshua to so the point it's a different chametz, where you're just talking about and then the whole year, like you say, you're lot of and then Pesach is struggling the news that's at the macro level at the yearly cycle the micro level, every day you still have to go through you're just Yes. to create you spoke
1: about sublimity, he speaks about sublimity Where we find Kesev, not keves, is in Parshish Vayetzeh. V'haksovim Hifrid Yaakov. So, on a spiritual level, what that means is that Yaakov is the one who creates the fragmentation from Kesev to keves. He takes the Kesev and Hifrid. He allows it to come into the world of Pirud, because Yaakov is the one who wants to introduce the bittel, even in the world of Pirud, even in the Kevas of mourning and Ben by him which is Avram and Yitzchak, Chesed and Gvura, where there's room for Pirod, there's room for the Sitra Akara to nurture from Yeshmal and Esau. Yaakov, Bria Chatechah, wants to introduce unity, in the world of fragmentation, so haksavim, Hifrid Yaakov, so that the Bittel of Kesev, should come down, even in the world of Kephas, that's number one. In Parshish Emmer, it says, Shoyr, Oi Kesev, that's the Kriya, that's Parshas emmer which is the beginning of the Parshas Hakarban, the beginning of Parsha of the Yom That's the introduction to the Parsha of the Yom There it says Kesev. And in that Parsha it says, on Shvua's Vehenif Oisam. You lift up. So in other words, Shor a And then the Torah goes and changes to Kevas. But Vehenif Oisam, you lift them up to the first Kesev that we said in the beginning of the Parsha. So you're lifting up your Kevas to the Pchina of Kesev. You understand? Hmm.
0: This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at slash Donate.